Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. We are living in perilous times, but so many of us don't understand the nature of the risks facing us as individuals and as a nation. True individual freedom is under attack by forces far more powerful and resourceful than ever before. Their goal is to eliminate the sovereign man. If you think freedom is not important, ask anyone who has experienced life as a slave or a person who once enjoyed freedom and has had it taken away. Freedom is not a partisan issue to be debated by politicians and used to purchase votes. It is a basic moral right of humanity. Most of you believe that as American citizens you are still free, protected by our Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Nothing could be further from the truth, and I can easily prove that to you. Compared to what was originally ours when the Constitution was written, all we have left is a few scraps of liberty, not yet stolen by those who seek control over every aspect of our lives. That, unfortunately, is also the truth. It has happened so slowly over so many years that you have barely noticed. It is far easier to ignore a painful truth than to confront it. And that is exactly what most of us have been doing for far too long. Most of our fellow citizens are infected with the normalcy bias, the belief that life will go on as it always has in spite of the preponderance of factual evidence to the contrary. They are either uninformed, disinterested, or deceived by the false promises of a collectivist future. Our nation currently is in a combined death spiral of debt, dependency, and immorality. That is clearly undeniable. In the final analysis, it all comes down to this one statement. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Without private property and the liberty it provides, all we have is the illusion of freedom. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Dr. Michael Kaufman. Dr. Michael Kaufman received his Bachelor of Science degree in Forestry and Master of Science in Biology at Northern Arizona University and his Ph.D. in Forest Science at the University of Idaho, 
1966, 67, and 1970, respectively. Since then, he has become a respected scientist and ecologist who was involved in ecosystem research over 20 years in both academia and industry. He taught courses and conducted research in forest ecology and forest community dynamics for 10 years at Michigan Technological University, a leading forestry school in the Midwest. While there, he published a book on forest ecosystem classification in Upper Michigan and northern Wisconsin, which has become the standard for classification in the region. He also assisted the U.S. Forest Service in developing an ecological land classification system for each of the national forests in Region 9. Currently, Dr. Kaufman is president of Environmental Perspectives and the executive director of Sovereignty International. Environmental Perspectives focuses on providing professional guidance and training in defining environmental problems and solutions dependent upon private property rights and free enterprise that protect both people and the environment. Sovereignty International helps many different organizations to bring a positive message of how, and this to me is the, of critical importance to this discussion, and I'll quote, how national sovereignty, free market enterprise, private property rights, and traditional values are superior to the global treaties and agreements that provide the framework to global governance currently being implemented by the United Nations. Dr. Kaufman, it is an honor and a pleasure to have a gentleman such as yourself as a guest on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum and Freedom Forum Radio. Well, thank you, Dr. Dan. I really do appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to our interview over the next uh, several minutes or even hours as we really start to tear apart some of the things that are going on in the world as well as the United States, because it is imperative that your listeners understand the magnitude of what is happening to them and being covered up by glossy uh, brochures and other things that say that everything's fine, don't need to look here, don't need to look there. We're looking at basically, as you said, a normal, normalcy bias that just blinds us to the reality of what is happening. Well, to me, we're going to start talking about Agenda 21. To me, Agenda 21 is like stage four metastatic cancer. It's yes. everywhere. How did it begin, Dr. Coffin, and what are the roots of its philosophy? Well, it began back in the 1970s, at least in a public way where we can begin to understand it. Actually, it's been around for thousands of years. But it's the belief that nature knows best, that it's a pantheistic belief system. What I mean by pantheism is the belief that nature is God. It's a religion. Understand it from that perspective. We can get into it a little bit more if you want to later on. But the key point is that it basically is a religion that believes that nature is God. And, of course, all of our old-time religions that go back thousands of years were based on that belief system. And it's a belief system that basically hampers the development and the sovereignty of the individual, as you introduced in your comments. What is happening in the 1970s is that the Club of Rome, which is a very... Um, uh, dark group of people, leaders and so forth in Europe, royalty, who st strongly believe in this kind of a system, 
begin to think that because of the population of the earth that we were destroying mother earth and therefore the goddess got uh, the goddess of uh, gaia that we they needed to stop at all costs now there's a lot of components to that and i can't get into all of them but if you understand that this is kind of where they're coming from then we can kind of jump from place to place as it leads to where we are right now what happened was that they begin to formulate a plan a strategy that is now called Agenda 21, in which the a world group, them, of course, decides what humanity can and cannot do. Now, they, can't, they realize they could not just jerk the world, especially the first world, the, the Western world, into their belief system. So they begin to lay down a series of principles and so forth that sounded logical, but eventually led otherwise normal thinking people into the belief that we are destroying planet Earth. And we'll be getting into some of that as we go through the conversation here today, but the the point that I think is critically important is that the understanding is that they had to do this in a way that sounded like it was coming from all directions of society, that it was nothing really alarming, but it was something in which we had to take action lest we destroyed planet Earth and us along with it. And so they came up with a series of things called sustainable development and other kinds of concepts that in our normal language, who would not want to have sustainable development? They're using normal words to describe an agenda that would literally tear the fabric of Western civilization apart at the seams uh, without us really understanding what was going on. And that was gradually developed into a whole... Uh, a series of theories and, and strategies and so forth that eventually was called Agenda 21, but it was taken into an organization called the IUCN, the International Union for the uh, uh, Protection of Nature. That particular organization is very, very deep into these black arts, very deep. And I'm going to tell you who belongs to it in a moment, but the fact is that they then, it's an international organization, it was created in 1946, right after the United Nations was created, as a scientific advisor to the United Nations. Okay, so that kind of tells you where the United Nations is, too. The United Nations is very, very much involved in New Age worship and all the rest. Very much involved. Understand that, because if you don't, you will never understand why they're doing the things that they're doing. But the IUCN was an organization that had a tremendous amount of power. Now, why would it have that much power? Well, it had in its members up until the 1970s, or since the 1970s, most of the environmental organizations in every nation. In other words, in our case, it would be the EPA, the U.S. Forest Service, Department of of, um, uh conservation and a whole series of other organizations like that in the United States, but also for other all other nations. It, but it also had and now has over 700 non-governmental organizations as members. These would be the Sierra Club, the Nature Conservancy, the real radical green organizations that have billions and billions of dollars in assets and spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars every year advancing their agenda. I'm writing a series of articles on this right now. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Dr. Michael Kaufman right after this.
And then you have all of the United Nations organizations, UNEP, UNESCO, and so forth, that are also involved in environmental issues. These are all members. Now, they have, in the 1990s, uh, several pages. They're not there anymore, but I have them on my computer. Several pages where they say that their primary responsibility is to implement what they call their eco-spiritual agenda on the world. Now, when I saw the word eco-spiritual agenda, I said, what in the world is that? That's what kind of tipped me off to what was going on. At the time, I was leading a multi-million dollar research effort on global warming and beginning to be suspicious that the science just wasn't there to back it up. And we'll be talking about that more later on, too. But the key factor is that this eco-spiritual agenda tipped me off to the fact that it was probably religion. I started to study it and spent quite a a number of years actually doing that. In 1992, uh, during the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit, Agenda 21 was introduced to the world. Now, I was already aware of it because of my studies, but the fact is that I begin to see how all this materialized through the decades into a global agenda that was going to affect the United States. In fact, as soon as I started looking at specifically what was going on in the United States, I realized it was already being implemented in the United States. And what happened was that Agenda 21, that's, that's an international agenda. You can't do that and just implement it in a, in a nation. So President Clinton, uh, President Bush signed it. I mean, it wasn't like President Bush didn't have any complicity in this. He had plenty of complicity. But it was that at that time, in 1993, the year after it was signed, that President Clinton began to uh, develop a strategy as to how to implement this in the United States. And what he basically did was develop what he calls Sustainable America. And Sustainable America has seven key component parts. Uh, Agenda 21 has 40 chapters, and they're mind-blowing. I mean, they literally are mind-blowing in the context that every one of those chapters literally denies people their private property rights and tells people what they can and cannot do on every single issue of their life. Every single issue issue. So it's a very comprehensive document. However, it is soft law. Now, what do I mean by soft law? Soft law is the idea that the country or nation, such as the United States, signs on. They implement their own set of laws and guidelines, regulations, and so forth. The United Nations has no legal force in order to be able to force a nation into doing it. So it's soft law. However, there are international treaties out there, like the Convention on Biological Diversity and a number of others, that do have teeth to them. And it's through those international treaties that Agenda 21 is slowly but systematically being implemented <coughs> in different nations. In the case of the United States, it is a, it is a situation where we have developed our own set of strategies called Sustainable America, they're divided into seven, diff seven different components, as I indicated a moment ago. And each one of those then sets up a policy in which the federal agencies themselves begin to implement the conditions of Agenda 21 through Sustainable America on the American people through huge plans, huge plans that have hundreds of millions of dollars associated with them for grants and aid and so forth for the states to do this. And this is being implemented everywhere across the United States right now. And you, the people that are implementing it have no idea that they're implementing Agenda 21. 
It sounds wonderful. It's all motherhood and apple pie. You know, it's, if you want to have a better community, a more prosperous community, one that you can really enjoy living in, all of the buzzwords that make it a very positive thing, that's what they use to try to convince communities that they this is a good thing for them, when in fact, with the left hand, they're actually stealing their very ability to create wealth in their communities and create the prosperity that they claim this kind of activity is going to provide them. You know, what I'm hearing from you, again, is the word that comes to mind is doublespeak, like in yes. George Orwell, where words that we we know have one meaning have been perverted to give them a different meeting. And, and it's sort of like Agenda 21 proponents have stolen all the good words. Like, if you don't want sustainable development, uh, do you want unsustainable development? If you don't yes, want smart exactly. growth, if you don't want smart growth, what do you want, dumb growth? And so by using doublespeak, they have subverted the, the conscious minds of Americans to believe that what's going on is good for us. But obviously, those those plans are not good for us. And one of the other things you mentioned when you talked about the Club of Rome and its successors to that, these are a group of arrogant elitists who yeah. for generations have wanted to rule the earth. Isn't that what you find? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. You can go back hundreds and hundreds of years, and these this group of people have been trying to gain control over the entire earth for all that time. They're very, very close to doing exactly that today. There's no question that our agencies, our bureaucrats, are involved up to their neck. And I think that's one of the things that you were so good to to tell us. And that is they provide that soft law framework, but then they turn it over to bureaucrats. Just like with Obamacare, for instance, where... The law may be 20, 2,400 or 2,700 pages, but there's no real regulations in it. They turn it over to different departments of the federal government, and they then sit about making regulations after regulations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of regulations. And the thing about those regulators, we have absolutely no call over them. They're out of reach of us. We don't elect them. And that is really taxation without representation in its ultimate form. It very much is, and I would caution people in the listening audience to understand that regional governance, for instance, which is now claiming so much of the area of the United States in different communities, you know, the one Bay Area in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, the, the uh, uh, 750 plan in southern Florida, all these plans combine different county governments and city governments into a regional government that has absolutely no no uh, um, requirement to listen to the people whatsoever. They're totally autonomous from the people. They can do whatever they want to, and they have the ability to crush people because of it, because of the fact that they're not accountable to the people at all. They're not. They don't get elected. They don't get anything. And as a fact, what happens is that they become over a period of time. They don't start out this way. I mean, their their intentions are always good. But human nature, being what it is, is that a person sees something in order to get a job done, they have to do something that hurts some people, but they know it's worth it, we'll do it. And there's no recourse for anybody to ever fight that. And as a consequence, what we're seeing here is a form of government that will inevitably, will have to become 
uh, totalitarian in its nature. It always has happened throughout history. There are very, 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 very few exceptions to that. That concludes this week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Dr. Michael Kaufman. Tune in next week for more. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be alright this morning Hoochie